Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership. Happy, as always, you're tuning into the show. Man, I really love today's guest. David Katz is on the show. I think we can all agree that something needs to be done about ocean plastic. I don't care where you sit on the political spectrum, how you view environmentalism, if you're an environmentalist or not. Plastic is a problem, and there's something that needs to be done. And what David Katz has come up, come up with is this something. I learned a lot talking to David Katz. He's been named one of the world's most compassionate entrepreneurs by Salt Magazine. He's the recipient of the United Nations Lighthouse Award for Planetary Health, recipient of the Paris Climate Conference Sustaining Community Award, recipient of the Ernst & Young Lifetime Achievement Award, and is the past president of the Vancouver chapter of the Entrepreneurs' Organization and named the Entrepreneur Organization's Global Citizen. He is the founder and CEO of The Plastic Bank, an internationally recognized solution to ocean plastic. It's a brilliant idea. The Plastic Bank is this global network of micro-recycling markets that empower the poor to transcend poverty by cleaning the environment. And that's what I really learned in this conversation. I mean, you can do all the things that we think that makes us feel good that we're saving the planet or doing work to help the environment. And as David points out, a lot of that is just focused on the wrong thing. It's to make us feel good and doesn't really solve the problem. David said, if we're going to solve this problem, and this was so brilliant, if we're going to solve the problem with plastic and really start to change the world, then we need to solve poverty because that's where the problem is. If poverty's there, we're going to have pollution. And so Plastic Bank is this ecosystem that provides an opportunity for the world to collect and trade plastic waste as a currency. Absolutely brilliant. He's partnered with IBM, Shell Energy, SC Johnson, Aldi, Hinkle, and more. And this humanitarian work of his has earned him this international recognition. He's been featured in hundreds of international news and investigative articles, including Forbes, Time Magazine, Fast Company, Business Week, and National Geographic. He's got a great talk on TED.com. He's been featured in an award-winning documentary, and he starred in an international reality TV show. This is a fantastic conversation. Open your mind. Listen to what David says. I love his view on life, leadership, and what we can all do to change the world. And it's about solving poverty. I love his stewardship of how he views the earth and, and the champion for the poor. It's a great conversation. It's brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. It's been so much fun to watch them grow into one of the fastest growing banks in the Midwest. They're a team that knows what it takes to start and grow a business. Equity Bank is now listed on the NASDAQ exchange. they got locations all across Kansas as well as Oklahoma, Missouri, and Arkansas. And clearly this team at Equity Bank knows how to lead for growth. And so if it feels like your current bank is more of a follower than a leader and you want to work with a bank that really understands your needs, go check out Equity Bank. Go to equitybank.com to learn more. Go to doseofleadership.com. I've just revamped my website. Brand new look, more simple, less cluttered. You can learn more about my services and working with me and joining my Dose of Leadership University. If you're an organization that's looking to do some leadership training for your folks, here's a chance to interact with a community of myself and 15 other mentors to solve real-life leadership challenges both in your organization and in your life. It's $1,500 for six months, and you can learn more about that, how you can motivate your team, inspire your team, and become the leaders they were called to be in your organization. Go to doseofleadership.com university to learn more. All right, thanks for tuning in. Let's join this conversation 
with David Katz, the founder and CEO of PlasticBank.com, here on Dose of Leadership. David Katz on Dose of Leadership. Welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, Richard, thanks for having me. Beautiful to be here. I'm excited to talk with you. You know, I I never really considered myself an environmentalist. Obviously, I care about the planet. Obviously, I care about my fellow man. The plastic thing just seems so overwhelming to me. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the? You know, it's almost like, and I hate to even say this, but it's like it seems so overwhelming. You're like, what is the? What is even the point? Like, what, how do you even stop it? You know, it's funny. I was walking through the Dallas airport and the air, um, pilot, right? And they they stop using plastic straws, and mm-hmm. so they're using these little. But then I look at the shelf. The same place is giving me the paper straw. Everything's in plastic. The sandwich is in plastic. Everything's in. I mean, every, yeah. everything's in plastic. It's yeah. a it's a blessing, but it's a curse. So anyway, what do we do about it? Straw became a poster child for sustainability. It's, it's the needle in the haystack, and it's exactly beautiful. and and things begin. And we can't be in a place where we want everything to be perfect before we ourselves start. Mm-hmm. The perfect really is the enemy of the good enough. And if it's a straw that was good enough to begin to be in a conversation, then so be it. Let's That's not great... lie in judgment. Let's lie in the in the opportunity that it presents. I like that. That's the great way to look at it, right? Instead of judging that, let's say, hey, let's, let's begin the conversation. And it's, yeah, in, that's right. And the conversation is important. Like, give the perspective. I think, you know, when I'm sitting here in Kansas, I have no perspective of how much plastic's going in, into the ocean. Yeah. You know, I've talked to some of my Navy buddies and, they, and they've talked to me about that and they gave me the perspective. But for, for the sake of the audience, what are we looking at here? What is going into the ocean on a daily basis? The... the you know, the cute communication is that it's a garbage truck worth of plastic every minute. We've already had a few minutes in this conversation, five minutes of garbage entering ocean-bound waterways on their way to the ocean. And, and not only do you perhaps not have a perspective of marine debris and the challenge of it, but I would say that you even have a less of a perception on why it's occurring, where it's occurring, and you'd even have a, a, a even further removed perception on the conditions that have created this to begin with. Speak to that. Yeah. Cause I'm curious. That's, that's curious to me. Like, like how did we, how did we get here? I mean, I think I know the answer to that, but. Well, straws are, straws, straws are a beautiful, nice start, but I'll tell you that declining straws in middle America is not what is being thrown into the ocean. I mean, most of the plastic, over 80% of it, that is entering marine ecosystems is coming from areas of extreme poverty. Right. It's coming from areas that have no real hope. I communicate like no door, no floor. When it, you know, there's no recycling bin. There's no garbage bins. You burn everything. You, 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 you suffer from cardiopulmonary disease as a result of burning it. And if you don't want to suffer that, you, you take it in a bag and you throw it in the river. Right. Yeah, throw exactly. The river. Yeah. That's what happens because there's nothing else to occur with it. So was that the starting point for you when you looked at that and like okay, this is the real this is the real kind of source. So is that was that the starting point for you? The the real issue is poverty, Richard. It's it's mm. when we look at the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, we have 17 of them. From 1 to 17, what needs to be noted is that they are in order. 
like we won't get to life below the sea, number 14, if we don't solve number one and poverty. We won't get to gender equality. We won't get to education. We won't get to all of the others if we don't address poverty first. It is poverty yeah. that is yeah. causing all of this. Right. And it speaks to the power of the conscious capitalist, right? The, the social entrepreneur, which I'm a big fan of, right? Like we don't talk about social entrepreneurship or, or, or conscious capitalism enough. Am I saying that right? What do you think about when you hear me say that? I, I, I agree um, because it's not – poverty is pervasive. And it's not just lack of material good that denotes poverty. There's poverty of the soul. Mm -hmm. And I believe that I'm addressing that more than anything else. The poverty of the soul, that that is looking for a thing, the attachment to an outcome, living in their imagination that at some point they will be worth more, accepted more, loved more when they have more. Right. And that's not the case. Right. You know, to be in the service of others, to be, you know, truly in the abundance, to truly create a space that you can create from the abundant, create from the infinite. And that inside of that includes benefiting all. Or traditional business, traditional entrepreneurship, traditional public company shares the, shares the wealth with the rich few mm -hmm. at the top. They benefit at the expense of others. And I pose a different paradigm. I don't even think it needs to be called conscious capitalism. I, I love the reference of it. Social entrepreneurship. All, just business. Business. Effective business lies in serving more. The more value that you create in the world, the more you benefit from. That's just proper business. Right. It's just a different way of thinking. So, so yeah, I, I support the conversation of conscious capitalism. I love the movement. I love it. It's all beautiful. It's just business. Well, why don't we, why do we, why, I mean, the way you just explained it resonates. I mean, it makes so much sense to me. Why are we, why is it so difficult to have or even express it in the terms that you just laid out to me? Why do we, why do we not see it that way? I don't ego mind um, this place where we believe that we are, that we are, you know, our value is determined by how much we have. Or determined by whether we make a mistake or not we believe that it's a fight we believe that if the other wins i lose yeah i mean it's just ego ego mind yeah the, the untruth the the finite right the past what people have told us right what we believe is is and it's worth all, fighting for it's all generated in fear right that's all fear Fear-based mindset. Yeah, fear-based mindset. Yeah. You know, if we can get to the point to where we do understand that when I talk about leadership on this show, it's it's under a huge umbrella of love. I mean, the agape style of where I sacrifice yeah. so that you may prosper, right? That's what drives yeah. all of this. Amen. And in the plastic bank, it is actually our core value. But love the verb. I love to communicate that, you know, I take from, from, from Stephen Covey this action that to love someone is the, the verb. It's to do for them. Right. This conversation, love the feeling is the fruit of love the verb. Right. Do for people. And, and then you have, you, wow, what a beautiful life. The very present moment is filled with the infinite abundance of love and gratitude <laughs> and gift and joy. 
<laughs> I have now. Yeah, no, that resonates with me deeply. How did you get there? I mean, obviously, were you always that way? I mean, I don't. If I look back at mine, I mean, I certainly went through. I think everybody kind of goes through that, trying to make a name for myself, trying to. I'm chasing the things, you know. I'm worried about what I accomplish and what other people think of me. Yeah. Then I realize that's a big lie, and then okay. As right. I'm, as in Pop, the third, though, say so conditionality through childhood, through through others' intentionality for us. This place where, oh, no, you should do this, you should do that. It's not good enough. Why did he do it this way? Why didn't you do it that way? I mean, it's all kind of conditioned in us. Yeah, I can't help but feel that if as a child we were told that we were whole and complete and there was nothing that we could ever do that would keep us from being full, being received, being loved, yeah. I think we would operate in a different way. Yeah. So I get here, it's been a big journey of my life. I certainly grew up in the conditionality of, of you know, a immigrant family. It didn't matter how well I did, it wasn't good enough. They thought, if I look back now, that they were they were trying to motivate me. If I brought home B's, it was like, why? Why didn't you get A's? Oh my goodness, okay, well, certainly nothing I could ever do was good enough. And I, and then much of my life, I was looking even for the affirmation of women. I was looking for all kinds of things. Someone validate me. Right. And then in that, in that realm, of course, the business, oh, and now if I'm profitable, it validates me. Oh, if I'm not profitable, then it proves that I'm not good enough. Right. I mean, the conversation we're having is really just about consciousness, coming to the place of, you know, life being empty and meaningless. That doesn't come with, with meaning. Replace meaning on life. That's right. Now I get to choose my my meaning. I get to choose my meaning. My meaning and purpose of life is in the service of of all life. It's remarkable. I get to be the person who makes change in the world. Remarkable. And as a result, we're building a profound business in the world with great profitability, and we're and we're doing far better than I would have ever expected. Yeah. It's that realization that you're always at a choice. The creators are always, always at a choice. Everything else that you talked about, the examples, we're just reacting to whatever and trying Correct. to feel some. And right. when you realize that there really is no meaning and the meaning is what is 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 completely yeah. at your choice point and yes. what you do and how you add value to the world and all those buckets you were trying to fill that when you're directly trying to fill them, they can't fill. But when you start adding value and stop worrying about yourself, then your buckets get overflow. Oh. <laughs> right? oh. So, so let's talk about the, the origination of Plastic Bank, the idea, what it's yeah, doing well, now. That's, that's, you know, so, so who are we? So, you know, colloquially, I, I express that we are a global chain of stores for the poor, mm. where everything in the store could be purchased using plastic garbage. And we offer school tuition, medical insurance, Wi-Fi, groceries, cooking fuel, everything the poor, the poor truly need, like need, but struggle to afford using plastics and other resources that are lying beneath their feet. What others have considered waste, we reveal as worth. We're more like bank branches, actually. I mean, plastic bank, bank branches deposit materials by mass, by the kilo, and withdraw the things you need. What is a digital application with a blockchain-based banking application? for our collector communities, where the more often that they collect and return the material, the more frequent they visit, the more people they bring in the social circle to also collect, the higher the quality, they earn financial inclusion, they earn a credit rating. They have the ability to, 
have immediacy to, to funds. And, and just having a bank account, which for so for I would say 95% of our collectors, the first bank account that they've ever had in their lives, gives them a sense of dignity and a bit of hope because they can actually look at and say, oh, I have savings. I have something, even if it's a few pennies, it's something that they didn't have before. They see themselves as different. They have hope for the future. We, in essence, end a little bit of that poverty, which is the lack of hope and lack of community. So using plastic as the currency, that means right there. And again, I think what what I appreciate and what I really resonates with me is like, look, it's less about saving the ocean. It's about saving the individual, yeah. getting them out of poverty. I'm never yeah. going to save the ocean unless I get these yeah. people out of poverty. No, never. Not possible. Impossible. Impossible. Stop trying to send ships out to the ocean and clean it up. How freaking ridiculous is that? Ludicrous. And we need to be working on what's what's important, not urgent. Yeah, urgent is urgent is habitat restoration. Powerfully support what others want to call beach cleanup. But please, you know, cleaning up your beach so that you have a nicer holiday—that's ridiculous. Go restore a habitat, a sensitive nesting ground. Go do that. Go find yourself in a mangrove, the most important ecosystem on the planet, and go help restore that. Right. Go, go restore ecosystem. Comprehensively different. That, that we need to do. Sending boats out in the ocean to pick up some plastic that's discarded, ridiculous. Now, at the same time, I, I powerfully support, you know, the extraction of ghost netting and doing what we can to, to, to remove that because that murders as it drifts. That, that just has to, that, that, in the conversation, even plastic that's been ingested that's killed an animal or a net that has captured a, a, some life it will outlast the decomposing corpse of that animal. The decomposing corpse will drift away from that plastic or the net and release it to continue murdering. So going out to get no ghost netting and all those things, super important, super yeah. important. But going back, I, I think you're one of the first person, first guys I've met that says, hey, look, I mean, look, let's focus on the, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm just, I'm not seeking those people that are saying it, but you're, what you're saying seems remarkably fresh and rare compared to what a lot what what the narrative is and it's self-evident you can't argue against it yeah it's you can't you can't absolutely it, it speaks tremendous truth so i'm living in this impoverished area plastic bank comes in and does what what infrastructure did they set up physically you talked a little you know, bit about yeah, the paint a story paint a quick story mm -hmm. i'll ask you let's say you're even where you where you are right now and there was a, you were walking out over a field and you looked down and there were diamonds everywhere. Diamonds, like the whole field was full of diamonds. Mm -hmm. You're about to pick them up like diamonds, but then you realize that, well, there's nowhere, there's no bank at I'll all anywhere you. that would, you could deposit at. There was no store that you could spend any of them at. No one would barter with you. You couldn't use it as a construction material. You couldn't do anything with it. Do you pick them up? They're diamonds. <laughs> well, pr probably not because yeah. they're actually worthless. It's it's only the, it's the fact that there is a monetary exchange mm -hmm. that is transactable that reveals the value in rocks, which what diamonds are. They're just rocks polished. Mm -hmm. And they've been inflated. The value, the perceived value is what 
creates the space for it to be collected and transacted. That's it. That's all we do. Yeah. It's so simple. So in areas where there is plastic leaching in the ocean, we create an ecosystem, we create little stores or we engage other stores or schools or places of faith to be the exchange system. We're alchemists. Yeah. We're using a fourth industrial revolution technology, the blockchain, smattering a little bit of gig economy, like Uber for recycling. And we've created a monetary exchange. Now the plastic that would otherwise be burnt or thrown in the river is value. Different. They can look at it and go, oh, that's money. Because who doesn't throw money away? The poor don't throw money away. Right. That's so insanely brilliantly simple. I mean, in, in theory. It's a, 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 you know, it was a big challenge to get up and running. And, and um, so we're operating Haiti, Indonesia, Philippines, Brazil, Egypt, going into Thailand right now, Cameroon. We extended our relationship with S.E. Johnson. That's going to take us into Tanzania and Kenya. Uh, we have the rest of Africa to tackle, the rest of Southeast Asia to tackle. We're at the places where plastic is entering the ocean. It's been a big, it's a been a, it's been a big journey to get to where we are. And I would do it all again in the blink of an eye. I get to be the person that gets this done in the world. It's been totally cool. No, to complete the story, by the way, all the plastic we collect, which are just, you know, tens of millions of kilograms, tens of millions of pounds in the end, we, we collect, we add value to, and we sell the companies like SC Johnson. So like if you go buy a bottle of Windex, if you're familiar with Windex, mm -hmm. That Windex, if you buy a bottle of Windex, it'll have our logo on it. The beautiful part about that Windex bottle is that is plastic that we collected from the Philippines and Indonesia. And it is plastic that was collected by the world's poor. If you go to the shelf, whether you know it or not, and you buy that bottle of Windex, you are working hand in hand with the world's poor. You're taking that plastic from an ocean down waterway and you're making sure that they have the right amount of value that enlivens them, their family, puts their children in school, makes sure they have diet diversification, all of the things that they need. It is the most powerful and impactful piece of packaging available on the planet today. It truly is regenerative. It repairs the earth. That's amazing. That's closing the loop. Now that social plastic, that's the material we collect, social plastic. It's not recycled plastic or a virgin plastic, it's social plastic, plastic whose value tr transfers through society. Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation, but I wanted to take the time to talk about my good friends, the sponsor here of the special series at Equity Bank. Have you ever noticed that most business bankers seem to really understand just one thing? It's banking, right? And not a lot about business. It makes sense since most banks were built generations ago and now they're often run by caretakers, not business builders. Well, it's not the case here at Equity Bank. The bankers at Equity Bank didn't inherit a bank generations ago. They built one of their own. They know that building something takes expertise, vision, and hard work. And over the past decade, they built one of the region's fastest growing banks by working side by side with customers, with entrepreneurs, with leaders in communities all throughout Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Recently, Equity Bank was listed on the NASDAQ exchange, which gives them even greater capabilities to take on those big deals that growing businesses need to keep on growing. So if you're tired of talking to bankers who've never really ran or owned or built a business, then I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you talk to my friends at Equity Bank. 
Thanks for listening to this show. Let's get back to the conversation, this unique and special series on leadership and entrepreneurship brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. Is the plastic of a plastic bag, of a water bottle, of a Windex bottle, is there one, surely one's more valuable than the other. Is, not, is some plastic not worth the transaction? Raw material, single, single source materials, packaging, low density polyethylene, like within a bag or high density, like we might find in a, uh, you know, a piece of furniture or a toy or the PETs that we'd find in bottles are all, all, all valuable. When you mix them, that becomes a big challenge. Like what we find in Southeast Asia, the multinationals of the world, the Unilever's of Procter and Gamble's and Nestle's put stuff out in sachet. They rationalize it by saying that, oh, it makes it available for the poor, but it is very expensive for the poor. They sell like an ounce and they sell it at three times the value that they would buy in a bottle, but the poor can't afford a bottle. So I kind of get the argument. The challenge is that they package it between two different layers of plastic with a, sorry, they sandwich a piece of aluminum in between two different plastics. It's aluminum with two different plastics, unrecyclable. Mm. Now they made very small investments to try to create some, you know, technology to be able to recycle it, but ultimately unrecyclable. And even if, here's the thing that we do too. So we build supply chain. We go in and we build a supply chain of materials, consumer to business based. We go in and create the pipe because who cares if you build a recycling facility that's $50 million, that's going to take the material, but you have no supply chain. No one's bringing you the material. Right. What's the point? Right. So even if you go and build a facility that recycles multi-layer sachet, but you do not pay for the incentive to have the material returned, who cares? Right. But it, so if I bring this and I'm bringing a tub of stuff to the plastic bank and it does have yeah. this, do you take it? Do you take this plastic that has this aluminum layer in it? I mean, or do you do you say, I can't take that. I'll take this. I can't take this. Yeah, take it. We can't take it. It's for, it'll, be, it'll be from there to here to the garbage again. Yeah. Now, in the Philippines, we've been we've had limited success in turning that into energy. We collect sachet and sell it to cement factories where it's burnt. Okay, that's one opportunity. Can't take all of it. There's some other crafts that want to like blend it up and put it into furniture. Small craft. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny how the big FMCGs want to celebrate it and say, "Oh, look, our our sachet is made into furniture." Like, what? That's a celebration. What? what? Like <laughs> a point zero one. Point zero zero one percent made it into a, a craft project, and you're happy right. thinking that's circular. Ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. Lots of work to be done. I, I I can beat myself up over the whole thing too. It's just I'm I'm moved by the lack of humanity in some public companies. Mm. Meaning, give me some examples. Like, what do you mean? Well. Unilever and the like produce billions of sachet every year. Billions, billions. Predominant source of, of packaging in Indonesia or the Philippines. These billions of little sachets um, don't need to be sandwiched aluminum. They produce it that way because the aluminum takes print quality because it's for marketing. So you can print so directly on it. On it looks better. Interesting. So they choose to continue to kill the ocean, kill the earth for shareholder return 
because their print quality needs to look nice. Yeah. And there's a more, there's obviously a a better solution, right? There's a search for a better solution, create something different. It does not need to be sandwiched aluminum. It's only done for marketing. Can I tell when I look at, I don't, I'm ignorant to this stuff, but I mean, can I tell when I look at something as a sachet, if I, like, what type of packaging are we talking about? Um, you know, like, have you ever seen the little, this isn't the back, this isn't an example, but if you see like little Heinz ketchup uh-huh. packages, oh, yeah. that's like a sachet. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. That is a sachet, but that's predominantly aluminum. So, so, so sachet for shampoos, for, for coffee, for, you know, a person in the Philippines, they would take a sachet for the coffee itself, a sachet for the sugar, a sachet for the creamer. They would probably have a sachet for other things as well. That's three sachets for that cup of coffee. Right. And then there's a sachet for the oil, a sachet for the salt, there's a sachet for the spices, there's a sachet for everything else. Every family is going through tens and tens and tens and tens every day. Interesting. And then and the again, it's poverty as well. No, no, I get it because, you know, at the same time, the idea here is that the poor can't afford $3 for a shampoo bottle. They can afford... 20 cents mm-hmm. and they do it daily. Right. So they still lose a lot. There's a thousand different options for it, but they choose not to do it to path of least resistance. Don't do it till we have to, or someone mandates us who cares about what's happening in the environment. We know that it's killing, killing animals, but <laughs> shareholders. Yeah. What impact have you seen from how long, have, how long have you had plastic? Man? What Give impact me, have you seen? I mean, I've caught fish with plastic in them. What impact have I seen? No, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. The impact, the positive impacts from plastic bank, not the, not the impacts. Sorry. I meant like what, oh, give me some yeah. stories of like, what have you seen? Because I mean, this is just fascinating to me. So we're, the yeah. whole idea is to raise the population. So we're in this impoverished yeah. area. Are we seeing, is the dream coming to fruition? I guess is my, it's never going to be complete. I understand that. You're never going to plant a flag. I understand that. But are you seeing... Are your expectations being exceeded? Um, tell me a little bit about what you're seeing, some of the benefits, the results of your efforts here. I had an experience in Port-au-Prince in Haiti because we also have a cooperative model where we bring um, groups together and we create a set of bylaws so that they can f- formalize and share the, the revenue. So if someone's sick, everyone's taken care of. So, Jean, um, who was at the time the president of the cooperative, had two little girls. Just the whole idea of the cooperative was profound for them. These were people living mm-hmm. in tents, in in lots that had been that were created after the earthquake. They were living in a downtown slum in tents. Two little girls. And I'm speaking with Gene, we're there and we're chatting and I'm like, Gene, how, you know, how's it going? What's happening? What do you see? How is it? Is it helping you? And he kind of, he kind of looks at me with a second is, and he kind of just tilts his head and he goes, oh, David, I can now see my girls going to university. Hmm. That for me, was, was just a, just a profound moment. We, we had someone who was only seeing the end of the day before only looking to see where he might be able to eat, mm-hmm. where might he find food, to now having a 
10, 15 year time perspective. He could see in the future. No, he found self mastery. Right. He found hope, self-determination. Before I used to think that what I witnessed was the end of Jean's poverty. I thought that that's what I experienced that day. It touched me. But what I powerfully recognize today is that was the day that poverty left me. Mm. That's where I found my true conviction. Right. Of plastic bank, and that's when I knew that I would die trying. That's beautiful. That's one. Yeah, I love that story because here you, in all these great stories where, where things are created or innovation or something does something new or, or boldly goes forward where no one's gone before, that those unexpected, I don't know, lessons or whatever that come forth, right, from taking that risk, from doing, you know, that's that's the beauty of taking that risk. You don't, you never, you didn't expect to be here, I guess is my point. And that's that's the beauty, beautiful part of the journey. Yeah, I, I communicate this. Um, you know, we've collected a thousand million bottles. A thousand million? A thousand million, billion bottles. It's more dramatic, I think, when we say a thousand million. Yeah, right. right. Mm-hmm. A thousand million were collected by the world's poor. We kept them from entering ocean-bound waterways. It's still a, it's a drop in the bucket. It's just a beginning, but still a, a accomplishment, a feat to create an organization that is provided that space. We're putting tens of millions of dollars in the hands of the emerging markets and communities. There's more children that are going to school. There's more people who are dying from preventable disease. Mm-hmm. There's a remarkable gift of what we've created. But when I had the idea that May the 11th, 2013, when I had the idea of it, of course, I oh, plastic is money for the world. We change the way people view the material. That could be a that could be an influence. I, the hair on the back of my neck stand up. It's like, oh, this is this is something. Well, the birth of the of plastic bank didn't come in that idea. It didn't come in the second thought. It came in the third thought because the second thought was all of the fear. It was like, well, who are you, cats? Like, what are you doing? Some dude out of Vancouver? Like, what? You're gonna like what? Change the world? Like, who are you? You're gonna create some sort of banking platform, the technology. You're gonna create supply chain in areas that are the most illiterate scarce, violent in the world where life is meaningless. You're going to go and operate in those places and you're going to try to lift those people while engaging the world's biggest corporations, the Coca-Colas and the Procter and Gambles of the world. You're going to do all of those things. Who, what? Not possible. And then how did you get past that? Well, it was the third thought. And the third thought was this beautiful, silent, conscious voice. And this is where the beginning of the journey came. This is where my life evolved. It came in this very moment and said, David, you don't need to be that person. You only need to choose to slowly become that person. Mm. And that's what created the space for the plastic bank. That was the moment that it, that it began because then I got to easily choose. I said, Yes. I said yes to the slow journey mm-hmm. of becoming the person who could get it done. That's so powerful because I think anytime something that you know you you have an outcome out there that seems so impossible, yet it fuels the passion. It initially fuels this overarching fear and like, who am I? This is the chasm looks so great, 
But to your point, wait a second. I just need to take a baby step here and evolve and evolve and become this person. And so the courage is in the baby step and the baby step may be a misstep. It may be the wrong direction, but it's a a baby step. Amen. Amen. And if you don't, if you don't take that baby step and then eventually you keep doing those baby steps again, the anxiety is still probably there. The fear is probably still there. The, how am I? I don't know. Yeah. But every now and then you get a breakthrough. Sometimes those baby steps are leaps. That get you a little oh, bit closer. It turns out, right. And even something that you thought was a sidestep in the past turned out to be a big leap, <laughs> as it all is, because it is all a learning journey of becoming. Right. What we get to do is we get to look at all of life and go, where is the gift in that? Exactly. Which is that. What, was what do I, what, what emerged as a result of that? Right. Right. Not to, not to add a bit of a, you know, uh, people take this in, in the wrong way. Oh, we're just communicating that. I was going to communicate something that was powerful. It was just a remarkable gift in my life. But, you know, just, just coming up three years ago, I lost a 17-year-old daughter. Mm. And so that as well was, you know, this, this learning point, this place to go, oh, wow, okay, what was in that? Mm. Of course, that didn't appear to be the gift either. Wow. But who do I get to become in the world? Who do I advocate for? What greater depths of love do I have? How much more do I get to see the individual? Oh my goodness. You see, if you pay the price and if you pay it in full and you pay it in advance, all that there is left to do is to look for the gift in it. Right. That's all there is. That's all there is. You can't change it. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't matter how much lament you have. Mm -mm. Look for the gift in all of it. That's my life. I love it. I mean, that's the, and that's the challenge. I mean, when you're in the middle of it, it seems impossible. But if you can find the stillness to go, what is this here to yeah. teach me? Right. What is it? Only what is it? What do I do with this? Only for you. It's, it's only, only free. there for you. That's, yeah. I mean, that's beautiful. That's spot on. I love what you said. Thank you. It's the truth of it all. No matter how crazy it looks, no matter how messed up it is, <laughs> you get to look. Yeah. You get to look and you get to be the person who then sees it. And in the practice of it, you get to see more of it. Right. It truly is abundant. It's infinite. The universe and what God has provided to us is infinite. 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 So everything we want is infinite inside of it. Yeah. If we live in an infinite universe, everything that we want is infinite inside of it. It's the training. It's the being open to it, mm-hmm. receiving it all, which is what provides it. It's to receive, to be open and go, where, why, wow, it's something beautiful for me. Thank you. Right. It's taking that pause and realizing that stops the drama cycle. It stops the, rea- uh, it, it stops the reaction to the anxiety because all yeah. you're doing... Oh, when you're getting angry, when you're when you're feeling a victim, all you're doing is just you're trying to get rid of the anxious feelings, and you just got to harness the anxiety and say, "Look," and you've got to and you've got to go through it. You have to you have to yeah. go through it. You can't. It's unavoidable. Unavoidable. So what what was there for me? The the conversation is that um, oh, how did you word that? Um, it was this conversation around. Um, you, you know, what I would want to express is that 
it's it's the angst ultimately is the kind of the ego mind it's like this place where we make it mean something about us right we make it mean that we're less where in fact what we get to do is turn that around and say no it's actually there for me to be more it doesn't prove that i'm wrong it doesn't prove that i'm not good enough it actually proves that i'm absolutely worthy it proves that i'm unconditionally loved right yeah and it doesn't <laughs> right in, in the way you're looking at it too, it doesn't deify the event. Nope. You know, because I think sometimes that's the keys. Like, well, I've got cancer, and the cancer is going to become my identity, or whatever, or the death of uh, your daughter, for example. You know. Um, oh, how many parents? I you know, it's a, out of the gift of it. A cyber, quick cyber conversation. Out of the gift of it, I came to recognize that there's no word for a parent who lost a child. There's no widow, widower, orphan, anything like that. And so you get these parents that have lost children and through societal pressures, media, everything else, they think they've got to take on an identity of having lost right. a child. Right. They lose the entirety of their life because now they are inflicted by the thoughts of who they need to be. <laughs> right. Crazy. Right, that's deep. And they lose their life, they lose the life of their child, they lose their life, they lose the life of their other, other children or whoever mm -hmm. it may be or society. And I and I and I I came across this beautiful Japanese art called kintsugi, and kintsugi is a Japanese art that takes heirloom family pottery. You can't buy it; it's only heirloom family pottery. That when it breaks, they glue it back together with gold to highlight the beauty of the break. Mm. And it's the name that I give to parents: kintsugi. Kintsugi. To see the beauty of what has occurred to be identified if you need to with the beauty and the gift and the abundance that was provided to you and who you get to be for the world in it. That's yeah. That speaks so much to what we try to get across in this show. I mean, you summed it up. I mean, yeah. The power of that choice point is, is nothing to be taken lightly. I mean, that is, I think that is the, if there is any, meaning to life it's to get to that choice point every moment that you can and that's where the work is involved that's where it gets messy and sloppy but it's there and it only occurs now and it only occurs right now it can only occur now <laughs> right it can't happen we're so many we'll say oh it's some other point but at some other point now it's now you have now and you have now the only thing that's ever existed can ever exist will ever exist now yeah well, I can definitely see how that mindset, that obviously having life stink has brought you to that point. I mean, you can only get there by having yeah. life stink. Life stink. And uh, life stink, just the stink of life, you know, that makes you, you know, okay. call those things like you know, life stink. You know, you get you get a certain age, you've got a certain amount of life stink on you. And if you, and if you choose to take yeah, that yeah, I, I resonate more, I think, with life aroma. Or, <laughs> right. Yeah, that fits better. It has this connotation that it's bad. Right, that's true. It's the aroma of life. Like, you have it with you, you carry it with you. Yeah. Life's fragrance. Yeah, life's fragrance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How can people learn more about Plastic Bank? I could talk to you forever. I wouldn't be respectful of your time. I know you've got a, a hard, hard stuff. Yeah, it's beautiful. But how, uh, how can people learn more about it? Plastic Bank.com, for sure. There's so much they can do. 
uh, you know, if I want to convey, if there's anything I can convey to any of you, if you're passionate about the ocean, you're passionate about the environment, you're passionate about society, you have to recognize that you are immensely powerful. It's the most immensely powerful consumer group ever in history. Every organization have teams of people looking for a conversation, looking to get feedback from people. And you have to be in the recognition that they sell what you buy because every time you buy something you're voting for it so if you if you vote for unsustainable packaging if you vote for virgin material if you vote for degradation of society that's what they're going to provide to you so when you go into a store go ask a manager they're probably not going to be able to point it to you but go ask the store manager say oh can you point to me the products you have here that have recycled content in them I only want to buy those products. You can point to me the regenerative products that you have here. Those are the ones I want to buy, even if they're taken back by it. It's in their mind, and the more people that do that, that's what happens because it's the retailer that is the customer of the big FMCGs. So it's the PNGs in the world, they're serving the retailer. They listen to that voice. The retailer will listen to your voice. You're immensely powerful. Don't forget it. Well said. We have way more influence than we give ourselves credit for. Amen. What a great way to end this conversation. You're a beautiful human being, David. I'm so blessed to have met you. This is a sacred conversation for me. I hope we can stay in touch. This is is so much fun. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse. Tell your kids. Tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dose of Leadership brings to your world. Go to doseofleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concept of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I look forward to the next time we work together. And until the meantime, make it a great one.